It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Please, during the week, join us on the Fox Business Network. The name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. Can't make it at 4. Text your favorite nine-year-old who will uh, teach you how to DVR the show, and you'll never miss a thing. Right here, you can live stream us on the internet, LarryKudlowShow.com, LarryKudlowShow.com. Run all across the country, throughout the world, and the solar system. And we bring in my great friend John Carney, Breitbart News Editor, Economics and Finance, and co-author of the Breitbart Business Digest, which people should read. Anybody interested in the economy should read this thing, Breitbart Business Digest. It's very good. John, thank you for coming on. Just um, I want to talk to you about a whole bunch of things, but I just had Ron Johnson on, Senator Johnson. You know, we had Rand Paul on uh, who talked about how the Republicans have given up the power of the purse and they've emasculated themselves on this omnibus spending bill, which should be defeated. And what they're doing is they're closing out Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans from rewriting the budget and the budget priorities, you know, including – I mean, the 87,000 IRS agents for $80 billion, uh, border money, you know, for we need new guards, we need new, I mean, they're going to lift the, what, Title 42, whatever that thing's called. Uh, that's going to be, I think that ends this week, and people are streaming across the border. Plus, uh, the budget caps, nobody, you need 41 senators to stop uh, waiving the budget caps should get $150 billion of spending cuts, automatic spending cuts. That's something. You need that. Uh, Ron Johnson, Marsha Blackburn, Ted Cruz, Ron Paul, they're all in you know full revolt. I've never seen anything like it, actually, John. I mean, I thought the mission here for the Republicans was, was to cut spending. I thought they campaigned on inflationary spending cuts. What happened? I think that you're absolutely right. This is a tremendous mistake that's being made by the leadership of uh, of the Senate in particular. So let's just call it what it is. Mitch McConnell yep. uh, it, on the Republican side has is basically abdicating the powers that uh, the U.S. that the U.S. voting population tried to give to the Republicans. They wanted to put look. The Republicans didn't do a great job. They didn't win a majority in the Senate. But Americans very clearly voted for a break on runaway Democrat spending, and it looks like they're not going to get it. Uh, and this budget process that they're putting in place is is one it's going to continue to fuel inflation that means higher interest rates next year they're running contrary to what the fed is trying to accomplish mm. and as you said look the, the border stuff is insane we have all these new climate banks that are springing up we don't even know how these climate change banks all throughout the government are going to operate but I, what i do know is they're going to encourage more spending because that's that's the entire purpose of them that will be inflationary as well the republicans at the very least, even if they can't stop some of this stuff because they don't have enough votes, shouldn't be voting for it. The leadership shouldn't be cooperating with it, and they should be campaigning against it and saying to people, let's prepare for the next election and say, look, we think this is all terrible. We're going to do our best to stop it. When we have more votes, we promise you we will stop it. If they go along with this stuff, 
I don't see why anybody should trust them to fight it when they get the majority. And Ron Paul said they're emasculating themselves. He's right. They're emasculating themselves. By the way, I forgot about the climate banks. You're God knows what that's going to be. That comes from the Inflation Reduction Act. There's little little climate banks springing up in all these federal agencies. Nobody knows what they're going to spend. It's completely open-ended. Right. The purpose is to create what's basically off balance sheet, uh, non-budgetary spending, because you've authorized these banks. We all know how banks operate. They're, you know, they, they have a little bit of capital and then basically invent more money. These are going to be fueling spending for the Democratic climate change priorities. And that is also going to drive inflation. Boy, I'll tell you, what, what a story this is. I mean, this is just really something. Direct repudiation of the Republican House. What, what is it about the Republican Party? Anyway, John Carney, um, give us a read on the Fed. So they raised 50 basis points to uh, 4.5% top of the target range. Um, lots and lots of people are saying the Fed is now into overkill. The yield curve is inverted, yes. Uh, I get that, and the leading indicators looking down. We had some net bad numbers this week, retail sales down. Uh, factory manufacturing is down. Um, employment is still holding up. But uh, I guess my question is, is the, is the Fed into overkill now? Uh, how do you read this uh, story? Are they too harsh? I mean, what's, what's your take on this? I don't think they are into overkill yet. It is super interesting to me. You know, the, one of the oldest phrases on Wall Street is you can't fight the Fed, but the market is definitely fighting the Fed. Yeah. Uh, the Fed says, you know, in their in their forecasts, they say we're going to be at five, basically five and a quarter uh, at the end of next year. So they still have a ways to go. If you look at things like the Fed funds futures, they say there's no way the Fed's going to be that high. Basically predicting the Fed will have to stop short at the beginning of this year or cut in the second half of next year because the economy is deteriorating. I have sympathy with the view that the economy is deteriorating. As you said, look, retail sales, I've been warning for you know two months now that people are misreading the U.S. consumer thinking retail sales were going to be very strong. They are not going to be very strong. We had a lot of the Christmas shopping occur. Once again, this has gone on for two and a half, almost three years now uh, in October. Mm. And people see the big sales in October and they say, yes, like, so the, the consumer is very strong and then we're going to have big sales in November and December. This happened last year. We saw that actually November sales disappointed. This is, again, what happened this year. Uh, people are shopping earlier. And the, the retailers know this, by the way. If you look at the retail inventory numbers, those are lower than people thought they would be. Why? Because if you're running Walmart or you're running Target, you see what's happening. But weirdly, the Wall Street analysts still haven't processed this change in shopping habits. They'll catch up eventually. But this is why we keep getting disappointing retail numbers at the end of the year. I'm looking at some of these estimates. The Atlanta Fed, so their GDP now is 2.8 for the fourth quarter. Uh, The wage tracker, I guess that's the Atlanta Fed wage tracker is 6.4 wages, wage costs. And then uh, your favorite, and I like it too, the median CPI from the Cleveland Fed is 7%. So the Fed's target is 2. They got to get from 7 to 2. 
They got 6.5% wages, and the economy's growing at close to 3%. Um, we may be setting up for a double-dip recession uh, next year, but right now, um, it's not a bad story. I mean, inflation's too high, and this economy's still growing. Right. So one of the things we're seeing in these numbers, and I think this is very important, and Jerome Powell is on top of this uh, aspect of it, which is that the economy is still growing. The labor market is still very strong. We are seeing a pretty rapid decline now in the in goods inflation mm. that a lot of people thought should have happened earlier this year, but it didn't. We still had a pretty strong clip of goods inflation. That seems to be coming off now, which is a relief. But that's only about one-third of consumption spending. The other two-thirds is services, and that is actually accelerating. That is very, services spending is not supply chain issues. It's not you know ports. It's not, not having enough trucks. It is fundamentally wage inflation. The numbers you were just giving us tells us that that is not – 6% wage inflation is not consistent – with a 2% overall inflation. Mm. So we, we we can bring down inflation in goods, that's happening, but we're not seeing anything that will bring down wages to a level, you know, to a level, or, per, you know, the other angle would be raised productivity. Productivity is not going up. Mm. And so what we have is wage inflation that will fuel overall inflation. And Jerome Powell sees this and says, like, look, guys, you may think that uh, we're going to back off, but we're not going to back off of raises and we're definitely not going to lower until we see signs of the labor market softening. And last week we got 211 jobless claims, 211,000 jobless claims. That's not a soft labor market at all, as you know, Larry. That's actually a very strong Mm. market. So net-net, is Fed's going to stay tight? They're going to stay tight, and I actually believe that we may see them Unless we get soft labor market numbers between now and the next meeting, which is until the very end of January, beginning of February, I think we're going to see them actually raise where they think rates are going at that next meeting Mm -hmm. if the labor market data continues to come in this tight. I would agree. I would agree they're going to stay tight. They probably should stay tight until they get some better results here. All right, John Carney, Breitbart News. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it very much. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side of the break, uh, the great Andrew McCarthy from National Review, former prosecutor, he's going to tell us who exactly should regulate crypto after this uh, catastrophe of FDX and this uh, stupid kid Sam Bankman-Fried. Andy McCarthy coming up. I'm Kudlow. Stay with us. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're going to have a little conversation about a particular corrupt jerk, Sam Bankman-Fried, and his phony FTS uh, exchange. We bring in Andy McCarthy. Andrew McCarthy is a former prosecutor for the Southern District of New York. He's a contributing editor of National Review, and he's a senior ed- fellow at the National Review Institute. His Latest book is Ball of Collusion, The Plot to Rig an Election and Destroy a Presidency. Andy McCarthy, this is like the plot to rig crypto and destroy, I don't know, millions and millions of dollars. Tom Brady's going to have to play quarterback for 10 10 more years. He and his wife, whatever his name is, Giselle Munchkin, Munchkin, I think they lost their entire $600 million fortune. 
And judging from the way he's been playing the last few weeks, I don't think he can do it. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I only care. I want the Giants to beat the Redskins or whatever they're called on Sunday. But uh, I'm reading your article out today, uh, National View Online. It's a very good, comprehensive article. The question here, I mean, and it is a legitimate question, and I am, I am a free market guy. I'm not big on regulators and regulations, particularly uh, all these uh, Biden people. But what is the best way to deal with this problem? You know, uh, I mean, you make some great points here that uh, cryptocurrency is different from these so-called crypto exchanges. Uh, that's a very important point. You're right. The middle, the middleman is where this thing uh, broke down. And um, how does this get resolved? I mean, how do we? Who should? Because here, well, let me just babble one more point. The the um, commodities futures uh, CFTC doesn't know anything about crypto, and the SEC doesn't know anything about crypto. In fact, the SEC spends most of its time on environmental regulations. Another subject they don't know anything about, which is wrecking business. So who can do this and, you know, prevent more fraud uh, from the likes of this corrupt kid? Larry, you know, I I think the big thing is that it has to be done deliberately. And I I have to say, um, if uh, if someone were to ask me who should – you know, figure this out. I would say Larry Kudlow, not Andy McCarthy, is the, is more of the uh, uh, has has firmer feet on the ground in this area than I do. My my only point is, um, you know, I haven't made up my mind about crypto. Uh, I know that there's a people who have a lot more depth in it than than I do. Um, some think it's the future. Some think it's think it's a Ponzi scheme. I, my thing is. Twofold. Number one, this is this happened in the context of crypto, the Sam Bankman-Fried FTX uh, scheme, but it could have been any asset class. There's nothing about the esoterica of crypto that uh, reads on this particular fact pattern, which is, I, I mean, this probably this is a fraud that goes back to the the Garden of Eden, probably. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's people invest with. A guy, and he diverts the uh, the assets to his own use. I mean, it 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 was crypto in this situation, or at least it, he was raising money on the basis of that. But uh, it, it wasn't particular to crypto, and in many ways, it seems to me that this is like the anti-crypto, in the sense that in cryptocurrencies and the whole idea of uh, the application of blockchain here, you don't give up control of the asset. That's like the whole point mm-hmm. um and you know to to use this uh exchange that he had um sort of smacks against to me the 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 whole point of of doing this but my thing is it's got to be i don't like the idea of panicked uh regulation and crisis management of these things when it should be deliberate i i completely agree that this ought to be Looked at uh, by people who know this area and regulated in a in a uh, sensible way. What I don't like, uh, and I think I've heard you talk about this in uh, in the last few days, where you know, for example, Gary Gensler at the SEC suddenly decides, you know, we have a you know two thousand 
H uh, set of regulations right. that we want everybody to sign off on, which is going to change the nature, nature of how the stock market works. Yeah. Unelected bureaucrats shouldn't be doing that. Mm. It should, that should be done in a very deliberate way and not in a crisis situation. And you know these guys take situations like this fraud at FTX, and they use it as a pretext for these big regulatory schemes that they've been dreaming up and, and just looking for an opportunity to, to trigger. So my thing is just A, deliberation, and B, let's, let's realize that even though this happens in the context of crypto, um, it, it's just a standard fraud scheme. Right. I, you know, I agree with that. I mean, look, as you, as you point out here, the blockchain technology, blockchains for our listeners like a big ledger, okay? And the blockchain technology has been working. By the way, the blockchain is, is transparent. Very right. important point. We mean, I mean, I looked at this when I was in the government, uh, uh, Mnuchin and Steve Mnuchin and Treasury. We, we all looked at that. It's transparent. I mean, it's not full of drug dealers and stuff like that. Or if it is, you can find out. You don't need... Uh, you don't need this exchange, the FTX. You don't need that. And I think that's an issue here that needs some exploration. Uh, but I would probably opt for an independent crypto regulator. The trouble I have is the Bidens are going to put in somebody uh, who's interested in diversity, equity, and climate change. You know, right. not cryptocurrencies. That's that's my biggest my biggest problem, <laughs> Andrew McCarthy. Let me ask you something else. Um, all this money that this kid spent, he and his lieutenants, whether it's FEC uh, money or dark money or whatever money, right. I mean, this is a bribery scheme not to regulate. And I was it's just interested as your in your background as a prosecutor, uh, should this be clawed back? I mean, what do we do with this issue? Now, most of it went to Democrats, but not all of it. Republicans are, you know, they're involved in this, too. Um, what do you, how do you read this? Because, I mean, I just see this. You know, they took the money. They used it to buy whatever fancy houses and, and, uh, and I don't know, venture capital deals. But they also used it to bribe politicians not to regulate them in the Bahamas. Yeah, and I, I think the – Standard way of dealing with this, and again, this goes to what's being standard fraud, right? I mean, you can quantify uh, what what the swindle uh, encompassed, and you know, you can trace where the money went. Take some work, but they can figure that out. The thing is, it's like every one of these other things, Larry. When when the, when the assets go poof, then it always comes down to whoever the assets were transferred to. Is there indication that they knew or should have known that the scam was on? Mm. Uh, and that's the re- that's the way that they that the theory under which they try to claw this back. And it's also the reason this litigation takes years and years. I, I think the you know some of the Bernie Madoff people are still trying to claw back assets from not the Madoff family necessarily, but like everybody who was kind of at the top of the pyramid. Mm. Uh, of the scheme. So what what tends to happen with these things is the litigation goes on for a long time. A lot of it is private litigation. You know, in the um, in the indictment, there's a forfeiture count. 
in the SEC complaint, there's a forfeiture count in the um, FTC, um, uh, the CFTC complaint, there's a, a forfeiture count. So the government is applying, you know, the the mechanisms that exist under the law and the regulations to to try to get parts of it back. But history tells us that most of this is going to be done by private litigation, and it's probably going to be very unsatisfying. And I don't know if Tom Brady can play another 10 years, but we better hope maybe Giselle can, can model for another 10 years. Yeah, she's <laughs> because, got a better uh, shot at it than he does. Yeah. But, yeah, so. but Andrew, um, let me just ask you, um, uh, we got a hard out. I was going to ask you about the Forfeiture Act and the politicians. All right, I got to get out. Annie McCarthy, thank you very much. We appreciate it. We'll see whether they have to claw back all this money that was stolen. We'll take a quick break, folks. Come back and talk to Tom Phillipson. Um, Why are we relying on the Saudis for our oil? I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. This is The Larry Kudlow Show.